We are on Lamed Zion Amud Aleph, 37a, in this book, page 162. Um, and we talked last time, if you recall, we let us spend a little time on the oraz, orez and rice, and is it the same as one of the grains, and therefore, since it's not quite the same, but it can be the same, it looks like the same, therefore we dealt with Pesach as well, and, and the, the issue of rice. And the question is basically what bracha do you say before and what bracha do you say after? That's how the whole thing came up. Um, and it's also, which we'll see continuing, this whole issue of what is considered to be the major component of the, of the foodstuff and what's the minor component and how does the bracha go therefore as well. Um, where we were at um, is basically to, to talk about whether, what, how do you define orez? How do you define the uh, rice and also millet? Rabbi Yochanan ben Urmer, orez min daganhu. It's really one of the. It's just like any of the other uh, parts of the uh, family's wheat, etc. The chayavim al kachim karet. If it becomes chametz during Pesach, it's, you're not supposed to. It looks like it's chametz. But dam Pesach, and you can fulfill your obligation. Meaning rice, so therefore, is like the matzah, and the answer is Rabbanan lo. And where we stopped was in this book, about six lines from the bottom, the Rabbanan lo. So um, I don't know exactly where it is in everybody's book. Two fifty second paragraph on the bottom. There, there's a uh, uh, translation here of a word I've never seen. One is liable to death by karet. 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 When the Torah says mot yumat, which it says many times, you do Shabbat work, that's known as mitabide shemayim, meaning the Kodesh Baruch Hu will take care of it, not a human court. And in, in norm, normal English, it's called extirpation, which you hear all the time, of course, too. Right? <laughs> extirpation means being wiped out. Okay. Okay, but it's done through God's justice and not ours. So, you know, um, when it talks about, uh, you know, working on Shabbos, mot yumat, no human court takes care of that. Kodesh Baruch that's what karet is. Lichrot means to cut, to cut off officially. Okay? All right. Who wants to read today? Everybody at once. So thank you. <laughs> You're doing your own work there, friend. Come on, put the glasses on and let's go. Okay, so we said, but Rabbanan lo, does Rabbanan really not think of Dagan as Oras as part of the Dagan, the same as wheat, oats, barley, etc.? When you eat those things, you're supposed to say Amotzi and finish off with Beer Karamazon. We're dealing now with what happens if you don't do that. What bracha do you say before, and what bracha do you say? The hatanya. And we also learned 
Hakoses. Remember, the koses is to chew on. Mm-hmm. If you're chewing on chita, on wheat, Why? Because it's not a finished product. Chita is not lechem. Chita will be made into lechem. Okay? Tichana. But once you grind it, you bake it, you cook it, or as such, then bismansha prusot kayamut. What does that mean? What is a prusa? A piece, slice. Eh? Slice. A slice. In other words, one provided that it, it it's stable, that it turns into bread, basically. It's not things that are wasted, you know. It doesn't really t- come out, right? And shalosh brachot is Amazon. Okay? So, in other words, if, if you have the unfinished product, you know, chewing on wheat, okay, you, you remember you've seen sometimes these farmers with the wheat stocks in their, in their mouths, etc. Okay? So, it, if you chew on it, you have to say, but once it becomes already something new, once it's already made into lechem, then you have to say, and finish off the brikat amazon. Makes sense, right? Remember? You chew it and you don't swallow. Then you don't say anything. Okay? For instance, gum you don't say anything. Gum you don't say anything, toothpaste, I mean those things, you don't, you don't really say anything. Anything that's a medicinal purpose, obviously you don't say anything. In ain prusot kayamot, but if there's not a viable prusa, it's not a viable slice, it's not really bread as such, but chilama varechalea borei mezonot, these are the crumbs, if you will. Okay, but it's still created. You still have enough what, we'll, what we would call kezayit. Right? There's an olive uh, bread things, so it's something of substance. which is Right? Which we looked at beforehand um, in, in, the, in our little songbooks. So what, what we're basically saying here is that what the, what what is the view of the chachamim? Okay, because normally we said above above with regard to auras, they don't believe that it's any kind of bread or anything else. So we have this view first, and then now it continues on the top of the page. Okay, so hakoses now. If you're chewing on rice, the same thing as chita, as as wheat. But now you've already prepared the rice properly. Then we'll say rice cakes, as such. Okay. Even though they have formed some sort of slice, some sort of actual thing, but So, what are they suggesting here? Above we had Rabbi Yochanan ben Nur says, Oren min Ores, rice is just like wheat, barley, oats, etc. The, and then we come and say, but is that really the case? Look what the Rabbanan say. 
the Rabbanan say that ultimately if it turns into real if chita, wheat turns into bread it's one thing but ores does not change no matter from the point of view of becoming bread itself even though it's now formed you don't say hamotzi therefore it couldn't be used for Pesach to receive to fulfill your obligation for Matzah etc okay so and again today as we'll see what happened what bracha do you say with Orez you don't say Hamotzi okay, it's not considered one of the wheat barley oats why it's spelled etc Okay. Yeah, even well. That's again. That's the problem, of course, with regard to the Pesach. But no, you don't. It's not considered one of the. Even in terms, again, in terms of categories, is rice considered the same thing as as wheat? It's a staple for some, clearly, but it's not. Well, that. But but that, but, but Ron, that's the reason that the Pesach is the problem. Okay, but what we call lichatchila, a priori, rice is is not in the same categories as as that as the other parts. If you're we actually dealt with that last year when we when I brought the tshuva of, of Rabbi Pam Barmash. Most people would say mizonot. Okay, but she said you're having a coat coat you're. Kviat Suda, it's a real Suda, you should say Amotzi already in Dubrikat Amazon. That was, that was a Chuva, if you recall, we did right at the end of last year. But and normally, you don't have to wash hands for that, because it's not Motsi. And it's Boremi name is Zonot. So you would, not, you would do Barachame and Shalosh at the end. And I've been at, a tab- at tables and Shabbos when people have done that and said, you know, I can't eat the challah. Either because out of choice or because of true medicinal purposes, so their brachot are different. Yeah, we're in a whole. That's why this stuff is interesting in the sense of means the food. I can't even the food stuffs today. You know, you, as you know, when you go to uh, any kind of thing now, they want to know any specific food issues, and there are people who have a whole list. And that's why camps and everything. I don't know how they deal with it anymore. So if they don't eat the challah, then they don't participate in the... Uh, remember, they can, they can, remember from last year, they can be part of the zimun. Okay, remember, they can be part of as long as they're part of sitting there. But they have to say a bracha, but it may not be hazan uh, Okay. <laughs> what what I do wrong here? This morning, where two of us had eaten and one had not eaten, but he said he could be for Zimun. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're just saying. Oh, there you go. So I'm glad I thought something that was helpful this morning. That's very good. That's very good. So who is position Rabbi Yochanan Ben Nuri relative to the other big hitters of that time? Not a major person, but. Substantial. I mean, he's not a Rabbi Meir or a Rabbi Yehuda or a Rabbi Akiva, etc. So in the same time frame. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's after, if I remember correctly, after Rabbi Akiva, but I'd have to look really look it up. But this of, of substance, let's put it this way, but not one of the gedolim in the sense of the people that are really well known. 
מאני, אילמה, רבי יוחנן ונורי היא, דאמר אורז מדגנו, המוציא לחם מן הארץ, ושלוש ברכות ואי So, money, money means according to whom is this view? According to me, according to me, what person? So you have a, what's known as a Braita, the Hatanya. It comes from the Tosefta. It doesn't tell us who said it. If you follow the logic, it would be Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, right? Because his logic was <coughs> according to Prusot, etc. Damar oras min daganhu. That oras is one of the same things as wheat, barley, harvest, and barley, etc. And so, hamotzi lechem in aretz, v'shalosh brachot ba'ile bruche. If that's the case, if oras is following that, well, what should be said when you have a rice cake? Hamotzi, you finish up your karamazon. Ela? Love rabbananhi. It, the, okay, again, you go, what, the issue here isn't who is important as Richard, as much as one is a minority opinion, what's the majority opinion? Whenever you have Rabbanan, you have no idea who it is. It can be two people, it can be ten people, etc. It's just the majority opinion. And normally, when they bring a Tosefta or they bring a, a, a text, I mean, it's according to the majority. So the answer is Rabbanan he, who? Okay, tiyufta means a real question to which there is, we don't have an answer. You remember what Robin Shmuel said? It's what we've been dealing with all along. And I found it last time when I looked at it. Okay. They basically was a disagreement of whether it was one of the five, one of the seven things by which, in which Israel was blessed, whether you had to say the bracha no matter what it was, uh, no matter uh, in it. Here. If you look up, I'll read it just. Gufa. Ravu Shmuel, the Amrei Tarvaihu. It's just on the, it's on Lamed Vav, it's on page 161 in here. Everything that has one of the seven fruits, you have to say Boremine Mizonot. Okay? No matter how much you have, okay, uh, etc. What do we have here? We have here that, according to Rabbanan, with regard to Orez, you basically don't have to say that bracha. Uh, Just the previous page on 161. And the Dalit it says Gufa, which means it came earlier. The Amrei Tarvayu, both Rav and Shmuel said, "Kol sheyesh po mechameshet aminim mevarchim alav minei mezonot." Okay, that both both of them believe that once you have from one of the five, you should from one of the grains, you should say, though you say borei minei mezonot. Okay, doesn't matter which one. What do we have here? We have at least according to the Braita that you also do it on Ores. Is Ores one of the five grains? No. It may look like a grain, etc., but it's not considered one of the five grains. Therefore, we go back to Robin Shmuel and says Tiyufta, when it says Tiyufta, da-da-da-da. Tiyufta means we've got an unbelievably difficult question to which we don't have an answer. 
means they disagree with Rav and Shmuel, or Rav and Shmuel disagree with them, because Rav and Shmuel will come later. Is that possible and permissible? Yes, because Rabbanan and the what they what we call the Brita or the Datanya is an earlier source. The earlier you go, the more authoritative. Rav and Shmuel are in Babylonia. We don't have to agree with them, especially if we have an, an earlier source. So Tuta the Rav means we have an answer question here to which there is no answer. We're stuck with this Brita in this particular case of saying Boreminemizonotan Ores. Rabbanan hold that. We don't have no clue what Rav and Shmuel would do with it. It's the one to one of the few times that you don't try to harmonize. In this case, you just leave it out there as such. So what's the Sheila. Okay. So look down for a minute for a Kosem Chitan on the Kosem Chitan on the Kosem Chitan on the previous page in Harach Halacha. Oh, Kalui. What's Kalui? Roasted. Okay. All right. So you're eating. Again, you put the, you take the wheat grains and you put them in your mouth, or it's roasted. Etc. It hasn't been made into bread. Okay. It's still considered, you know, uh, a plant as that such. When the seeds are full, when they're matured as such, and you can eat them sometimes. I'm not enough of a farmer to know what that means. Huh? I get. I don't know. Is it what it is? Taking taking the the seeds off the where the weeds grow and putting it in your mouth and chewing them and presumably swallowing them. What do you do? You don't say motzi because it's not bread, but you have to do something. At that point, it's borei priyadama, like anything growing in the ground. That's where the halacha finishes on there. Um, and l- let's do the next one on oracha halacha lechem bevushal. Okay, what's perurim? Crumbs. Okay, if, as I said, this is not, the, w- clearly, if the uh, wheat is made into bread, you say hamotzi. But what happens if there are crumbs? It's not, that's the, that's the, ultimately, the concept, prusot enan kayamot. Okay, and you take those crumbs. You make them big enough as like a As long as it's kezayat, the, uh, the, the concepts of a volume of, a, of an olive. You still say hamotzi, okay, according to, to this particular case. And finally, okay. So if you're chewing on rice, which has not been cooked or anything, you say just like ita. But if it's already cooked on rice, you say Okay, so what's the, what's the real issue here? The real issue is Ron's issue. Rice looks like it may quote unquote taste like at least to some people. It can be made into the same. Can you make a rice bread and those kind of things? I presume you can. 
you know, etc. Okay, so is it one of the five grains officially? No, nobody counts rice as one of the five grains. Is it a staple of food? It's an absolute staple in some places without a doubt. So the question is, what bracha do you say? And the, what we eventually had is that it is li- it's still different. Categories are categories. And since it's not seen even in our language as one of the five grains, normally you don't say hamotzi and finish it off with bekaramazon. You clearly have to do something. If you're eating it the, the, simply the, the grains as such, like you would the chita, but if you're eating it once rice is cooked, it's boremine mizonot, not amotzi lechem in And of course, once you say boremine mizonot, you finish out brachami in shalosh. Let me just see. There's a leak in the car. There's a leak in the group over there. Is there a pail there or something? Okay. I can see the drops. That my distance is still terrific. <laughs> terrific. I can't see what's in front of me anymore, but I can see all the way to the back wall of the, in the, the kitchen. It's there. <laughs> Tell you stuff. What? This is such a holy place, even the ceiling is holy. Yeah, well, thanks. So I'm fighting in my apartment in Jerusalem, too, is also holy. So. And I don't like leaks right now. Uh, okay, everybody. So that, that's the re- that's why they spent so much time on it, Ron. In that sense, because it's it's like it. So you would think maybe the response eventually is even the way Allah. And that's why again, rice and Pesach is a problem, because it looks like could be you could make mistakes and they grew them together and all those kinds of things. And why today Sfardim where it was a staple was a different thing and why today some of the Ashkenazim are saying you know well we're careful about this it, it's not the same kind of thing as it was they're growing growing separately you know what rice is you know what wheat is etc is it, is it the same thing with quinoa because I remember there was something about the problem with quinoa is it's something new okay and anything new became it's easier to say no to when they really examined quinoa they saw that what's not a grain in the same realm it's not one of the five and quinoa, to m- almost all the, the ones that I know of, incisors have said it's permissible. Yeah. Because I've heard that some people are eating on Pesach because it's grown near wheat. Right. It, I don't know if it's grown that, that Today, again, the, the way things work are, is, is a lot uh, more um, delineated than it used to be. Okay, people used to have their backyards and grow things, etc. Um, so whether it may be grown with it, it's clearly harvested differently. They're, these are not mixed together anymore, etc. Okay, uh, so I, it, it, I know at first quinoa was questionable because people said, well, it looks like it could be, I don't know what it is, since we, the Talmud does talk about it, it must be a no. Okay? Um, well, you know, part of putting the fence around the tour. Correct, right. and, and you have the things with many things that they didn't know about. Right. I mean, you know, turkey. Okay, if you remember when when Rabbi Lerner was here, the whole tradition of his family was, you don't eat turkey. Why? Because Talmud never decided about it, and it was not something that may be permissible. That was the family tradition. They got all the way. They they, they continued. It's always easier to say no than it is to say yes. But what we've been able to learn over time is, it may take a few years as they analyze something new. 
in Kinwa today is really not a problem. So. I work with a lawyer, so if you need the answer now, the answer is no. Right, right. Okay, and my, and what I and what I try to do, what I what I've told all the staff is, unless the answer, if the answer is really no, then say it right now, or you say yes, but. Okay, meaning either I need there are because if you say just yes, as you know in most cases, you give the hand, they'll take the arm. Okay, so it is much easier to say. Throw it up to you. Right. What you said. Once it once the precedent is done. It's done. There's no way of going back. So people ask us about certain things. So anytime they'll say yes, but you got to look at the bigger picture. You know, in this little thing, I could say yes, but there's a bigger picture out there, and I, my role is to look at the bigger picture. So yeah. Is is there any concern about cross contamination when uh, a farm changes uh, crops from one year to the other? Again, today, even if they change, they don't do it in the same spot necessarily. I mean, you're not dealing with big farming combines, etc. It's not your backyard little thing. Okay, most of the stuff that you buy, you know, is from big family combines, etc. So they're pretty. I think they're pretty careful. Uh, the same thing, you know, it used to be. It, we were always very careful with, you know, um, for years we all looked at an ingredient when you weren't as many kosher products. Mark used to all, all of us look at ingredients. How much is there, and where it was produced, and that kind of stuff. Well, today we know that first of all they have to put every ingredient on once it hits a certain uh, volume. Two, they're much more careful about the separation of things. Okay, what's the whole reason you're having the the in a sense the kashrut issue? Kashrut is somebody there to supervise that there wasn't a mistake and there wasn't somebody you know. You, you you're not going to get you know they're always worried about well well what happens if you know. The, the employees eating near the production line. I don't know that that's going to happen anymore. Not in the states, where the people are so careful, etc. Okay, that was a worry because it was a little farm. You know, you had your little farm, and somebody did it, and you brought it to this person, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but you know, we're still we're still careful because you know what happens if a line is used for non-kosher stuff or not hectured stuff, and then it's for kosher stuff. Is it cleansed properly? You know, is it is it kosher properly, etc. It can be used for both if there's a way to kosher in between. So a lot of the supervision today is yes, there are things that are clearly not permissible, but a lot of it is just to make sure that everything is there, and that's why the prices go up immediately, and etc. etc. But that's a different thing. <laughs> 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 really supervising in their manufacturing, or are they just coming into the facility? Yes, There's two ways to do it. One is even in restaurants. There's two types of hashkacha. One is hashkacha timidit, meaning there's somebody there all the time. And one is what's known as nichnas v'yotzei, you go in and out. So here, we are nichnas v'yotzei. Avram's our manager, Avram knows kashrut, but we have to supervise Avram too, because that's our role. So Mark and I are in and out, as such. And if there are questions, we trust them, they'll either ask the question, or what we try to do is hit the highest standard, very often CRC standards, though we don't consider ourselves CRC. There is a new song for it. What? There is a new song for it. For what? What? Mashgiach. Yeah? Mashgiach. 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 Instead of Mashiach. Mashgiach. Cute. So when, they, when, when CRC or OU or OK come in, they say to us, we're going to cusher your stuff. And they cusher the ovens, etc., or they cover up things, or they don't use our dishes. That's fine. 
but they have to be here with the mashkiach too. And once they come in, they have to be here with the mashkiach, and we step back and trust them to take care of the hashgacha. So you have different kinds of CRC likes to have mishka, uh, you know, to midit somebody there all the time, but it doesn't always work. That I can tell you that you know production plants in Iowa or in you know God knows where they have them these days. The people aren't there all the time. Okay, there they go in. They trust the things, and periodically they'll come back, either surprise visits or regular visits, or they'll produce those things that they need supervision at the time that the mashkiach is there. But it's Oh, okay. And many, many years ago, I mean, since I did I started out with working foods at an edible oil plant. And we had separate vessels for the kosher food. But I, I know the rabbi was never there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they went through kosher, went through all the processes, and they went and just looked at it. Right, so so there are people, and depending who, what shashkacha then becomes too, who gives the hashkacha under those things. So some of them will require tmidit, meaning all the time, and some of them say nichnas viyotse is good enough. Okay, so that's those are the two ways that they do it. You didn't, you, what you have to do is you have to look up the symbol. There's about 600 or 700 symbols today. I mean, it's just wild. You know, Kashrut's big, literally big business in that sense. Um, and it doesn't mean it's not Tmidi. You know? The tablet K is usually considered okay. What's known as tablet K. The question becomes when you just have a K. Then you don't know the thing. So, for instance, Kraft for many years just has had a K. Philadelphia cream cheese. But everybody knows that, 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 that is a, there's no problems with it whatsoever. No. So, you know, um, you you can if there's an issue. First of all, you hold by if if you're concerned about it, you hold by the highest levels. And then, there's a question, you ask. So, you know, when, when we do have a question, we'll go to we we'll, we'll use the CRC. Avram, you know, uh, liquors and things change every day with them. So we go by their rules. And when somebody brings in cases of <coughs> liquor or anything, we examine what it is. And if we're not sure of something, we will call them. And we have a very good relationship with the CRC at this point. They know we're trying to do the best we can. We're not, I don't, you know, if asked, we don't say we're CRC. We're not. So if somebody's here who's, quote unquote, from or orthodox, we tell them, you're welcome to eat by us. We, we're comfortable with it. If you're not, that's fine. You tell us what you need to be comfortable. Not to go off on a tangent, why aren't we CRC? Because first of all, we'd have to pay an enormous amount of money, and we don't need it for us. Okay? Because if you want to bring CRC in, you can do it. The only reason that you would bring that we would need to be CRC is to have for parties by the outside, mm -hmm. and for that they come in. The the, the people who are taking there, I, I've as the, against the casual <coughs> supervisor, I've obeyed certain groups to come in without any worry whatsoever. Mm -hmm. One of them is clearly CRC. But you've got to come in with your mashkiach. And I am I will always if you see me, I will always walk into the kitchen to make sure the mashkiach isn't there. Mm -hmm. And if the mashkiach is not there, they will get a call Sunday or Monday from me saying, We may not we never not allow you in again. Mm -hmm. And I've done that to CRC before. Saying, just don't take us for granted. Oh, you're you know, because someone will say, Oh, it's a conservative synagogue, they don't really care. 
Sorry, I will go in there each time to make sure the Mashkiach is there. Hi, I'm Rabbi. Most of them I know by now, but if I don't, hi, I'm Rabbi Kurtz. Good to see you. Long as you're here, I'm comfortable, etc. There's no. We don't feel the need. We, first of all, the surcharge is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, and for what we do in house, presumably everybody is accepted. If you're not accepting it, then bring CRC. For then bring CRC for your thing, and that's Thank fine. You. Danziger, you know, Zelda's today used to be kosher gourmet. All the rest of them. Are absolutely fine. So periodically we'll get you know one that's not known, but it's a restaurant you know uh, um, tailgaters and that kind of thing. For instance, mm -hmm. well yeah they're coaching you know CRC etc. But they're not normally this isn't the kind of place that they will mm -hmm. do it. Caterer. And and there are a couple. There's at least one caterer where we say, and, and by the way, when, and what we expect as well is that they when because most of their stuff is produced in their kitchens mm -hmm. that it comes in signed by the rabbi okay um, that we know was done there's a couple one or two caterers over the years who don't have the same high level of CRC but we were acceptable provided we have to meet D tier that we have a supervisor here and we take care of that so it depends Thank okay. you. so we try the highest level but, I, but if asked we're not orthodox supervision we don't try to make claim that mm -hmm. you mentioned liquor what's the problem with liquor some of it in terms of, of whiskey, the scotches are the casks that they're, 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 they're kept in. There's a claim that some of them had wine, that there's a wine taste and that kind of stuff with it. So there are certain whiskeys, etc., which the best of the best are normally all good because they're the purest of the pure. But the blended, some of the blended stuff is questionable. And you can, you can go on CRC's list uh, on, you know, on, on the website and there's a whole list. And it I remember, you know, when we went in. When she, when Shira got married here a couple of years ago, we went into the list of binnies because we bought the you know the wine directly, um, or the, both the wine which was clear which is easy, and, and the um, other stuff, and they said oh we have a list but it had, they, they change it so you had to get the most update list. So binnies for instance will have a CRC list they to their credit because they know that people are concerned about that if you want to be a good salesperson. Etc. So that's the issue in some of them. The blending. Do they have a marking on the, on the labels now? Or? No, most most of them will not have markings. They will not have markings. It just they know it's a pure process. It's not hashkacha itself. It's just pure process, and that's good enough. Wine is different, of course. Okay, and today mevushal and not mevushal, etc., which is all new. Um, that has to be marked, obviously. Is it kosher? Depends. There are some that aren't. It's the blending. It's the process of the blending. You look, you look at a list. They've done the work. Okay. Right, right, right. Okay, and again, as a chemist, you know, there are certain things that people just take for granted. Remember all the multi, the, the diglycerides and all those kind of stuffs, and we wouldn't get the. Today, the, the kashru supervision is so, you know, rampant. It's all over the place. It's so easy to get whatever you know without even having to look at those kind of things. I once had a neighbor who knew we kept kosher, they weren't Jewish, and he said to me, I understand why you have to be careful. He said, but make sure when you're buying tin foil or anything that comes on a roller that it has your mark on there. Because his son worked at a place and he said sometimes they'll use uh, pig oil or other things. So he was so concerned Good that I should be aware right. yeah, yeah. on the foil. No, on the towel, on the on the on the rollers. The rollers. In the, in the, in the so it'll stick. Oh, God. So uh, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're marked. They're marked OU, most of them. Most of them are OU. And clearly, but we all know that Pesach, you have to be more careful, without a doubt. Blended whiskeys have been around for a long, long time. Were people not so concerned about the casks? Kashrut has become much more big business and much more stringent. When we were growing up, there was no such thing that I remember of Mavushal wine. Right. Okay, there were, first of all, there were like four, either Manischewitz or Mogan David or Carmel. Shapiro's. And Shapiro's. Oh, that was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, what, what was there? You know, over a period of time today, the wine, the kosher wine list is from South Africa and Chile and France, obviously, and Spain and Israel and the States, Canada. I mean, phenomenal. So everything is opened up in that realm. So some of the stuff, and, and the category, again, if you, if you remember back, there used to be a couple of whiskeys you used to get, and that's it. You used to get Crown Royal, Seagram's, you know, and something else, and that was it. Today, go, go look at the shelves. Oh, okay, but because of, with that limitation, somebody, somebody, people knew that, that there were no issues in terms of the casks, it was, it was pure. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that question, okay? Uh, and, and that doesn't mean that they didn't know or they weren't as careful, but it, it's become an issue that they're very more careful about today. That's the best I can say. Now, I understand the question, were we drinking that stuff, you know, and when your father was having a schnapps after shul years ago, was it that uncoach? I don't think so, but I, I can't respond to it, that's all. Most of the stuff is good. You just have to go online and look. And we, again, I think most stuff is good regardless. But we're, we, we want to be careful. So the stuff that we bring in here, I mean, I can tell you that, you know, again, if you've ever done cater, cater, kosher catering or any kind of catering, you know, there is a, a liquor charge that they, if they bring it in. We allow the person themselves to bring it in, but we go through it. We go through it. Or if, for instance, CRC is here and they allow somebody to bring in, we ask the rabbi, the mashkiach, to go through it. And, he, mm -hmm. and we've been here when they, on the morning of a wedding when they've gone through it and said, no, I can't accept this, and I can't accept that, and I can't accept this, and the people have come to us and said, we agree. And then he puts it in his car and goes, run over to Benny's and he gets somebody else. Most things are replaceable. If you don't have one rum or something, nobody really cares, you know. So we, we do go through these things, either us or the mashkif, depending on what the story is. Um, and I think I think part of it, Larry, is that we're just more, there's more stringencies that are involved in Kashrut, which is just the case. I just don't remember many years ago anybody. And I don't either. About, about, uh, about Do you remember talking about glut years ago? No, but I remember. I remember the wine. I remember that that the that the non-Jewish janitor in shul was not allowed to touch the wine. Stam yam, right? Okay, right. Exactly. That because that's always been there, right? But does anybody remember as you were growing up, glut kosher? No. no. Kosher was kosher, right? So we're at different stringencies as life has gone on, and this has occurred in, in, the, in this area as well. In the gallery, there is an expert in one of the companies who is French, and he doesn't touch the wine, but he's super Right. They're, they know the stories because they want the it's sales. They want to be able to sell to kosher purveyors. And, and there's much more analytical capability today. You can take a bottle of whiskey, and you can, you can identify things to parts per million very easily. So you have more tools to be able to identify things now. If, if, if the wine is Mubushal, a non-Jew can pour Correct. it and touch it and everything, Correct. right? Correct. Okay.
Right. Yeah. yeah. If it's not Mabushal, you can't right. officially. Right. So you you know if you're having it at home, you can buy not Mabushal. We again to, to hold the highest things, we buy Mabushal. What we tell people to get Mabushal wine here because most of the you know nobody really knows. But you know if they if they took the wine bottle simply and put it on your table and you opened it and you poured it, it's fine. But you know, and some of the some of the good wines, you know, the Arde, some of the Ardain stuff and Golan, that kind of stuff is not Mibushal. You can find again. All you have to look it up. Yeah, and, and you know, I will get. I did a w- w- weddings as I did last week a week ago. Somebody will say the one of the caterers, "Can I open the wine for you?" I said, "Open it, but don't pour it. I'll pour it." Opening makes no sense to me. You know? I mean, that's not they're not pouring it, they're not touching it, etc. Touching a bottle, come on, let's go. What are they going to do with it? To so pour it, I'll pour it. First of all, I don't want the you know I want to be able to do make sure it's done right that I'm there when it's done and not somebody forgets all that kind of stuff. Um, I like doing you know being the control freak. I know it's right. Are you pouring at every table? No, no, no. I'm talking under the chuppah. Under the chuppah. Not every table. That's a <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's a, I, I'm trying to get another job, you know. <laughs> with my and it was all with my left arm because <laughs> I couldn't pour it with my right arm. I worked with Chazanim. I said, "You pour the wine. I can't pour it." <laughs> yeah, I walk around with these little t- tablecloths on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can put my sling on and uh, not worry about it. So uh, all this stuff, you know, again, it seems far away in the tech. We do it with our concerns all the time. Your concerns at your tables, my my concern with the bigger picture, etc. Um, and it relates again to going to going back to your question whether somebody's there all the time or just in and out, etc. We're we we trust Avram, but as as Avram will tell you himself, somebody's got to look over his shoulders too. Without a doubt, that's just the way it works. All right, with that little tangent, which was I think important, we'll go. Okay, so amar mar. We don't know who this is. It just means there's a statement again. Hakoses, the chewing on on chita on wheat. The hatanya, and didn't we learn someplace else? Zera is the seeds. Because that's what you're eating. It's not Benipurim. It's not difficult because there are two different opinions. That's fine. There can be two different opinions. One is Ditnan. What's Desha? Grass. Okay, so Rabbi Ayarakut on vegetables we say Borei Priyadama. Rabbi Yehuda says Borei Mine Deshaim. Okay, meaning that there can be different brachot for different categories, and therefore Rabbi Yehuda could say Borei Mine Zuraim. In other words, he's really very specific of what the food stuff is and where it comes from. We would just say Borei Priyadama, period, which is what, of course, we do. We hold by Rabbanan. If you have any kind of vegetable, you say Borei Priyadama. Okay? Okay. 
This is again, Amar Mar, this is our statement simply from above. They're just bringing it back now. If you're chewing on the ores, on the you say Borei Priyadama, but once it's already made into something that is eatable as such, and the Prusot Kayamot, it's something that's substantial, but Chilam Rechel Borei Mineh Mezonot, and in the end, but now we have another source okay there is a source it doesn't actually we don't know exactly from where and I can tell you that because there's no little letter beside it then we know if this word comes from it's known as Masorda Shas you don't have to say anything in other words as Rashi says, Klomar ain't taun mi brachot perot Eretz Yisrael velokum. It's not one of the, the the seven things that was made in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore it's not as important. Ela vorene fashot rabot. According to Rashi, you do have to say something, but that's that one line. Vorene fashot kasvanana kol mashabarata bruchei laulamim. Kol mide de leite mishivat haminim. Okay, so. Rashi says you do say something, but not bracha mein shalosh, not bracha achrona. Amar Rav Sheshet. Okay, Haraban Gamliel the Harabanan. So one is according to Rabban Gamliel. One is again different things. Now the next source is actually a little uh, more interesting than just the itself. It's all about Rabbi Akiva. Okay. Here's our, our person there, Richard. This one may have, I think, was mentioned in the book because it's there's a whole. I'm doing a course. I hope it's spurred us in another month or so, month and a half on, on Rabbi Akiva for a full week. Um, they two at Spurtus as part of their MA PhD programs. That's an it's an intensive course, two hours on Sunday and four hours Monday through Thursday. So um, I'm preparing the course now. Richard told me he's read he's read one of the books. Already, there's two new books that were put out on Rabbi Akiva in the last uh, in in the last year or so. One by Ruben Hammer and one by Barry Holtz. Both very fine books. Um, their emphasis is a little bit different, but I'm also I'm going to send in my reading list to uh, the school in the next couple of days. It's a good lot of reading, and we'll do a lot of sources. It's going to be March 11th. At Spurtis. No, it's Spurtis. It's part of Spurtis's Jewish studies. Are you familiar with Yochi Brandes? With Yochi, I know, yeah. Yochi Brandes wrote a book, Pardes Shel Akiva. About? Pardes Shel Akiva. Yeah, yeah. About that's the Pardes is one of the stories. Correct, of course. The four who went up to Pardes and what came down, and only Rabbi Akiva came down, etc. So, that this is an interesting story in addition to just being about what we're talking about. Okay, so we again, as long as we have two Tanaitic opinions, that's fine. They don't have to agree. So what does Rabbi Gamliel say? Everything that's from the seven things that Chitasora, Gefen, etc., all those things for which Israel is known as a, are the major fruits of Israel, Shalosh Brachot. As far as he's concerned, Berkat Amazon. It's that important that you say Berkat Amazon. They're not bread. You say it over bread, but not over anything else. And now they bring ma'aseh. Something happened. Okay. 
Their concept, this is an addict. You, you have a number of stories of rabbis sitting in upper chambers. And what this kind of tells you is they weren't in yeshiva. What we know today, from, from research, is that there, there were some yeshivot, but most of these that I've told you before were table fellowships, disciple things, study circles, all those kind of things. We have a number of cases where Hillel is involved and, and, and Shmuel Katan is involved in Aliyah, in a place sitting up high in Yericho. Yericho is not a great Jewish city, nearly to say. It's not Sfat, it's not Taveri, it's clearly not Yerushalayim. You know, can we date this? Yeah, we can date this probably. End of temple times, after temple times, as such. And they're sitting discussing an issue. What are they discussing? This issue. Meaning, what do you say at the end of the eating the Shiva Minim? Kotavot is Tamarim. Dates. They brought dates. Somebody brought the servant, brought their snacks. They were discussing, they were teaching, they were learning, and somebody brought a snack. And when they finished the dates, they finished their snack, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Gamliel, who was the patriarch, the well-known uh, descendant of Hillel, and well-known descendant, therefore, of David, supposedly, said, my young student, Rabbi Akiva, Please lead the, the, the final blessing. Levarech. Normally today when we say Levarech means Rekana Mazon. Right? Chafatz Urech. He jumped in. Now that we'll have to deal with that word because that's an odd word. He didn't say I just blessed, but he kafatz. What does it mean kafatz? He jumped into it in haste. Enthusiastic. That's one way to take it. We'll see. We'll look at what it means in a, in a, in a matter. Ah, Rabbi Akiva says, I'm going to do Bracha Chorna. And that's what he did. Now, who's sitting, who's at whose table is he sitting? Rabbi Gamliel. What does Rabbi Gamliel say above? Anything? Is, is Tamarim part of the uh, seven fruits? Yes. And what does Rabbi Gamliel say? Berkat Amazon. And what does Rabbi Akiva do? Uh oh, is right. And look what, and so now you have. How dare you get involved? Huh? You're a little kid. You know, Rabbi Akiva's story is when this was done and everything is it's not so clear, and which one of my course uh, readings and things will be with what is rabbinic biography and can really rely on rabbinic biography, etc. He does that, Holtz does that at the beginning of the book. I have some other sources about that too. It's a real issue, it, needless to say. Um, but what he, who the hell asked you to get involved, basically, in good words? I'm the teacher, you're at my house, I say Berkat Amazon, and what do you do? You do Barachame and Shalosh. Now, this, this, that's a put down. That's a put down. How did you get involved in this? I asked you, Levarech. I wanted to give you respect. What'd you do? You threw it back in my face. Okay, and what is he? He gives him a, a legitimate halachic answer. And that is, I know what you said. <laughs> you're the Rabban Gamliel. I know what you said. But. 
חבריך אומרים כן, לימדתנו רבנו יחיד רבים הלכה כרבים. But you taught us something. When there's a disagreement, if there's a minority view and a majority view, you follow the majority. Who's the majority? Rabbanan. I don't know how many it is, but it's more than one. Therefore, I follow the majority. I'm living by the rules. Okay? So you and, think you have a bad day and everybody forgot what you forgot what you said? Here it is millennia later. And he's rebuked by this rabbi, everybody remembers it. Right, right. I mean, it's really, it's a wonderful story. First of all, and that's why in the terms of Rabbi Kiva's biography, shows you where he is chronologically. What if we take the story at its face value? Two, he's, you know, pretty smart. Because he runs back, you know, it's like the lawyer, you tell him you did this, well, I have another precedent there. That's the rule, isn't it? You taught it to us. What do you think Kamil's answer is now? Oh, no, no, no. He doesn't give an answer, is it? It's like, it's the story of, again, the famous story of Tanur Shalachnai. And God said, what was God doing when they, all, when they said, you don't have to accept all the butt calls and everything? Nitzchuni banai nitzchuni. You're right, you're following, we're following our rules. That's the rules you gave us. So the question, of course, is what is kafatz luvarech? Let's look at the iunim at the last, on the bottom of the page. His darez, mazali his darez, quickly, quickly. They ran it quickly. He did. He recited kafatz literally. He jumped in before. He said, "Rakiv, you want to advance?" Yes, Rabbi. Tiny Rabbi. Shemitnei kvodosh Rabban Gabriel. No, he didn't want to argue with Rabbi Yehuda. So you know what to say. Uh, look, I know which one I'm going to say. Is that okay? He just said, he couldn't stop him at that point. Rabbi said, Rabbi Taina, he has say it, he shame it, etc. He ran quickly, did the first bracha in the middle, and at that point he was said it. What are you going to? Rabban Gamliel couldn't stop him. So that's what's kafatz. He knew what was going to happen. Now, machnis roshcha. Yes, you want to ask something? Rashi just says lachrehen when on on kafetz. Yeah, Rashi does this, but says just follow the thing. Right. That's why. It's got a, I think it's got a better. I think this, this expression much better, much better. It's that's why because the word kafatz. It's really quickly. Yeah, it's Thank you. Even if he did like Rabban Gamliel, he, Gamliel, he would have been involved in the disagreement. Okay, but everybody agrees that if you say Birkat Amazon, you don't do anything else. <coughs> it was good enough that he did, did it this way. How did you get involved? You know, clearly Birkat Amazon follows everybody. Can say you can always say it. It's the, how did you get involved, Rabbi Yehuda? Because it could have been the other way too. And finally, Matanu Rabbeinu, which is really nice. Lahavinam. Bitui Shagur. Maza Shagur. Shagur Bafiv. 
used to say. Right, used to say. It's frequently said. You're used to saying this a lot. Yeah, okay. Shagur Bifi means this is a common phrase. Limatanu Rabbeinu. It doesn't really mean that he taught him. Limantenu Rabbeinu. It merely is, I know the tradition. And that's you say. But politeness, he wanted to give Rabban Gamliel the kavod. Remember this one, this, well, you'll see what this one is very important for all of you. But a student who's wanting to raise something to his Rav or somebody who's greater than him, that he doesn't really know or doesn't remember, simply says, with respect you taught us. So he's showing respect more than anything else, not meaning that Rabban Gamliel really taught us. So you learn from this, number one, that there was a disagreement. Two, we'll clearly follow Rabbanan, these are the principles, but you also learn of the interaction of Rabban Gamliel and uh, Rabbi Akiva, which occurs in a number of different places. They, they traveled together on the sea, they went to Rome together. Rabbi Akiva was like a younger colleague, well respected, but he wasn't afraid to really stand up here in this case and saying, I know what you said, but I don't agree. I'm going to say it in kafatz. That's what the kafatz means is he did say it hastily, so he can get it done, and, and Rabbi Gamliel couldn't stop him. One of the interesting things in the in the whole book is that the upper floor usage came from often uh, wealthy people who allowed the rabbis to, to study there because there was no place for them. There was right, right, and, and in many cases they were persecuted by the Romans. They had to be away from places too. Okay, we'll stop there. Thank you. Thank you very much.